Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I am not Doug Lee Maurice. Doug is uh, dead. We killed him. Tim and I are... Uh, no, Doug is in uh, Disney World. He's in Orlando. He could be at Disney World. He could be at Harry Potter World. He could be at SeaWorld. What other worlds are there in Orlando? Oh, I think in Tampa Tire there's like, World. I think in Tampa there's Bush Gardens if he really wants to drive however far it is from Orlando to maybe, Tampa. Maybe he's in Bush Gardens. Uh, Doug is still on vacation. He's not here this week, so it is uh, me, Bill Landis, here with Tim Bielek, uh for another episode of Buckeye Talk. We're going to talk mostly recruiting. Um, I think we got one or two questions maybe about non-recruiting things, and we'll try to get to that, try to get to them. But we mostly want to focus on recruiting, sort of do a reset on where things stand with Ohio State and its 2019 recruiting class. Uh, we'll so we'll go position by position, say who's in the class, who Ohio State's recruiting, who we think they'll end up getting, um, and then ultimately be wrong about those predictions. But we wanted to we haven't talked recruiting in a long time, or at least not in depth. So we wanted to sort of reset where things stand with 2019. Um, some camps coming up. I'll let you guys know about that. A big recruiting weekend coming up for Ohio State too in a few weeks. Um, we'll hit on that as well. Who's going to be here on official visits? Um, but first, Tim, do we have farts? Yes, we do. We have technically a fart, and then what's the version? What's a one-star fart called? Oh, a shart. <laughs> so we have a fart and a shart to talk about. Uh, We're mature. Our fart this week comes from sports fan in Ohio. Short, sweet, to the point. Calls us great show. He says, I highly recommend these guys. Good banner and insight for fans. I follow lots of Buckeye podcasts, and they are in my top two. Ooh, I wonder who else is in the top two. Yeah, Sports Fan in Ohio, if you're listening, thank you for the review. We want to know who number one is, or if, like, who... I mean, we're number one. We want to know who number two is. Yeah, or, yeah, who the other one in the top two is so we can look down on them. And then what's the what's the read the uh, read by the way these are our uh, five star reviews and uh, a listener whose name I forget now suggested we call them farts which is like five five star approved reviews for today something, something like, like that. that anyway yeah so uh, but we got a we got a one star yeah we did from Joe Top he says not so good the last podcast was the first time I heard this one way too much digression and off topic discussion such as how long comparing past girlfriends to past coaching jobs makes this podcast way too long won't be listening to this one couple of things uh last podcast was probably not the best one to listen to to experience buckeye talk for the first time um secondly we talked about this last week whether or not it's too long whether or not it should be two episodes we haven't made a decision on that yet on that yet, and we won't until Doug gets back from vacation. And like whatever changes we decide to make, we probably won't make until closer to the season anyway. Um, but we appreciate your feedback and keep sending them in. Um, if you missed it, we asked whether you'd want to break up what is normally a two-hour-long podcast into two separate, fi- essentially, files for you to play. One that is like a normal podcast of us talking about the things we talk about, and then another one where we answer your questions because we're bad about answering your questions. Um, so if you have thoughts and opinions on that, you can send them uh, to me on Twitter at BillLandis25. Um, you can tweet them at Buckeye Talk Pod. You can email them now to BuckeyeTalkPod at gmail.com. But anyway, that was a long way of saying that guy knew how long the podcast was before he hit play. <laughs> um, so whatever. All right, we, we'll take your one-star review. We hadn't had one in a while. We're still a composite five-star, and that's all that matters. But if you are listening and you have not sent in a five-star review, please do so to counteract that grumpy individual's one-star review. I think we're. I think last I checked, we're at about 310 reviews. We have 286 five-stars and only six one-stars. I'll take that. How many two-stars? 
Uh, I actually honestly just closed out. I'm sorry. I don't think we have any. Oh, we got a lot of emails too. Okay, so yeah, I was curious about how the email worked out this week. Good, we got quite a few. Um, so we'll get to those. We'll get to those questions via email and on Twitter. Um, thank you for those of you who use the email because I think that might be a better way uh, in the future to keep track of questions, what we answered, what we didn't answer, and also gives you more than whatever the character limit is on uh, Twitter. Okay, so let's talk 20, 2019 recruiting. Um, Ohio State has nine commits at the moment, uh, which is probably a little bit of a slower pace than maybe we're accustomed to. I think there are a few reasons for that, and uh, we can talk about that after we sort of give you the lay of, lay of the land on the class. So it's nine commits. It's ranked number 13 in the country. It's ranked number two in the Big Ten. And we're going to go position by position, and I think we're going to start with defense, Tim. So uh, let's start along the defensive line. Who does Ohio State have, and who are they still recruiting? Well, right now, the only commit up front defensively for Ohio State is Noah Potter, the four-star from Mentor, who obviously, those of you in Cleveland that follow high school football know very well. He's a very disruptive player. I love this athleticism watching him on tape. He's relentless. He's got just a good motor, which is, I think, what Ohio State's looking for in this defensive lineman. And great size already, six foot five, 250. You would think at the college level we could probably add on 15, 20 more pounds. He's listed as a strong side defensive end, so we'll see where he goes with there. And as far as who they're recruiting, I think we all know who the number one target is, not just for this position, but for Ohio State in general, and that's, of course, Zach Harrison. Uh, we all know how we all know about Zach Harrison's pedigree. From actually right down the street from me over at Olin Tangy Orange. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're recording this in Tim's apartment. We usually record in Doug's basement. On my nice new Ikea table. This table is nice. It's uh, it's it's cherry wood, from what I can tell, or cardboard, because it's from Ikea. Yeah, I actually got this table half off. That's a bargain. Yeah, so, but getting to see Harrison in person, I did get a chance to watch one of his games last year. His athleticism jumps off the page. I was talking uh, to a friend of mine, uh, shout out Jake, he listens to the podcast, about uh, Zach Harrison the other day, because Jake knows track, and I don't know track other than the objective is to run fast. And uh, Zach Harrison, I don't. You were at State Track too, Tim. Was he there? No. So Zach Harrison, when I wrote a story about Zach in, I guess it was earlier. It was last month. It was after the Ohio regional of the opening. I get to talk to Zach Harrison. He's a pretty private guy. You don't get to talk to him much. And uh, everyone knows he's a phenomenal athlete. But I guess just to sort of paint that picture in a little better detail, he is a sprinter. And at the time that I wrote the story last month, he had the second fastest time in a 200 in the state. And he posted that time in sneakers because he couldn't find track shoes to fit his feet. And he's also 6'5", 240 pounds. And uh, Jake, who knows track more than I do, said, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's a freak. And he is – I think it, I think he's probably – number one target on their recruiting board. Um, defensive end is not as, as far from their greatest need, uh, but he is a five-star player, the number three overall player in the country. He's from their backyard, and they just lost a kid with a similar recruiting profile, Jackson Carmen from Fairfield, not quite as close, but just an hour away, maybe 90 minutes away. Um, sort of a very public recruiting loss for Ohio State, losing a five-star player in, in Ohio to Clemson in the last recruiting class. And, like just sort of in the name of saving face a little bit, that makes Zach Harrison that much more important. He's a great player, and you want him anyway. But uh, that was, you know, that was kind of a tough loss. I think losing Jackson Carmen. Even if you think in the end they got Nick Petit Frere and, and 
I think Nick Petit fares better, and I think a lot of people do. But it was a five-star kid from Ohio that, frankly, a lot of people thought was going to pick Ohio State, and then he ended up picking Clemson and kind of a curveball on signing day. So Ohio State could just, like, use getting back to, to winning for kids like that in Ohio. And I think they will with Zach Harrison, but that makes it more important. Yeah, no question. You talked about defensive end not being a particular need. I'm looking at the scholarship chart right now. When you look at, obviously, what's going on there, you have no one's a senior, although we expect Nick Bosa will leave at the end of the season, yep. go to the draft, and you still have – you know, six guys right now, including Noah Potter, would be on the roster. Zach Harrison would be seven. So not a great need, but when it comes to recruiting, you always want talent because you never know what the needs are going to be two years down the road or whatever. And staying, and I'll slide to the interior if you mm-hmm. don't mind. Defensive tackle, and this is going to be this is kind of a departure from last year when defensive tackle was a major need. It's not really a need right now, so I can only. But if I look at a guy that I think Ohio State is most likely to get, I look at Tyler Davis from Apopka, Florida, 6'1", 293, a shorter defensive tackle, not quite as short as B.B. Landers, but this is a guy that Ohio, that Ohio State has been linked to for a while. They, it seems like the top guy kind of on a defensive tackle board. And I know they're in the mix for Fatui Tuatele, the five-star from Honolulu, who put them in the top five. You just like saying his name, don't you? It's a great name. <laughs> I, I have family from Hawaii. I have family originally from Hawaii. I I do miss being on Oahu. It's a nice place. And I think it's it says a lot, I think, about Ohio State in some ways that you're able to get a kid 5,000 miles away to ha- still have interest yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to come to Ohio State, but you know he he paid his own money to come here for an official visit, and I don't I don't think you take that lightly. Um, he's Tua Tagovailoa's cousin, and whatever Talia Tagovailoa's cousin, the, the quarterback out of Alabama, and his little brother who's also committed there. So I think that's probably where he'll end up. Um, but he left USC off his top schools list, didn't he? USC was not there in his top five. I believe so, I which is kind of surprising. Um, Okay, so let's do this then. After we go to each position, we'll, we'll say who they think we're going to get. So they have Noah Potter, defensive end. I think they're going to get Zach Harrison. Do you think they're going to get Zach Harrison? Yes. And that's you think that's all they'll have at defensive end? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think they'll be good with two. Okay, I agree they'll be good with two. And I also think they will take one defensive tackle, and I think it will be Tyler Davis. Agreed. Okay, so that's three defensive linemen. Sorry, I'm looking at my list. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, linebacker. Who do they have? Who are they recruiting? Who are they going to get? Well, the, the question with linebacker, who they have, is complicated because it depends where you want to put Steel Chambers. And I want to put him at linebacker along with Cade Silver because in a lot of ways when I watch them play, I see the same player. I wouldn't do that. I think for the purposes of this conversation, Steel Chambers should be considered a running back. Okay. But it's a good point. Um, they have a couple like athlete type type guys, but I think for for this discussion, let's lock guys into a position and let's say Steel Chambers is a running back. Okay, fair. I do I do love you know watching his film and I wrote the story about him just how he just runs through people mm-hmm. and that's kind of what interested me and in wanted to put him on defense because if I'm a coach, I see a guy run through people. I want to see that on the defensive side of the ball. And I do think more often than not, when I do get these guys who play on both sides of the ball. Um, they end up on defense. So I'm not saying it's impossible that Steel Chambers, uh, who's also a running back, could end up a linebacker. Um, I guess I disagree with you, but just to kind of make this a little cleaner, let's say Steel Chambers at the moment is a running back. Yes. Okay, so other linebackers in the class. Well, right now the only other linebacker in the class is Cade Stover, which was kind Who of could also be a defensive end? Ohio yeah. State needs to stop recruiting freaky athletes who can play multiple positions. No, and I think this, this wasn't a surprise for... 
when it came to Kate Stover, we all kind of expected it would be in the class. It was just a matter of when he ended up, ended up committing just hours before Gary Wilson. We'll obviously talk about it later. Right now, you know, number four player in Ohio, and right now the, the highest-ranked player in the state that Ohio State has in the class. And Ohio State was busy recruiting linebackers last year. They obviously got a bunch. They got more, mm-hmm. I think, inside guys than outside guys. And Stover right now is purely an outside guy who, like you said, if he gets bigger, could kick down to defensive end. Yeah, I think I think he'll, he'll probably be an outside linebacker too. Um, you made a good point to bring up last year. Last year they got Dallas Gant, Taraja Mitchell, Kayvon Pope, and then Javante Jean-Baptiste, who's sort of similar to Cave Stover, uh, could be a linebacker, could be a defensive end, but we'll consider him a linebacker. And then if you look at that position group, there's one senior. It's Dante Booker. Um, there are three draft-eligible guys. Uh, Malik Harris and Justin Hilliard, Keandre Jones, certainly possible that all three of those guys stay. Tough Borland, Baron Browning, and Pete Werner behind them, uh, all good players, so I think are going to be around again next year. So they have a lot of depth at linebacker, which begs the question, who else are they looking at at linebacker in 2019, and do we think they'll have another one besides Cade Stover? I think there's a couple guys they're looking at. One guy that's stuck out of my mind is Cade Patterson, a four-star from Nashville. There's a, there's mutual interest, I think, between the two. He re- they're... If you go on twenty four seven, there's no predictions whatsoever for him. But he's got he's got twenty eight offers among them. I think in his top like the five that seem like the most connected to him are OSU, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Texas A and M. Uh, so the, there's definitely interest there. I think from both sides. I think with o- Ohio State's recent ability in Tennessee with guys like Master Teague and Max Ray, they've got they got some seeds planted in this in a state where there's not necessarily a great amount of talent, but you can get some guys in there from time to time. Okay, so they have one linebacker in Cade Stover. Uh, do you think they will end up adding another one, Tim? At this point, I mean, I, I would say no, but, I mean, obviously things can change, and we don't know who they could offer, you know, at the end of the camp cycle. Yeah, I think probably no as well. Uh, there was uh, – I just want to make sure I get his name right. Brandon Smith was the five-star middle linebacker who ended up going to Penn State. Um Ohio State does not have a major need at middle linebacker, but certainly they would have taken Brandon Smith, and they wanted Brandon Smith in this recruiting class. They got beat by Penn State. So if there wasn't going to be another linebacker in the class, I would have guessed him. He is off the board now. Um, so I think they'll end up with one linebacker as well, Cade Stover. And then, like we said, Steel Chambers possibly can flip over to that side of the ball. But for this discussion, as we're telling in the class, one linebacker. Uh, let's go to the defensive backfield, and we'll start with corners, Tim. All right, well, corner, they don't have anybody committed right now. And you look at the scholarship chart, they only have, they have seven on the roster. None of them are seniors, so theoretically all seven could come back. Although there's a possibility that if someone, if a guy like a Kendall Sheffield has a great season, he could leave at the end of the season as well. Yeah. So I would think they'd want to at least get a corner in the class. And I've written about this a well, that I feel like when it comes to Ohio State's cornerback recruiting this year, they've been looking at guys that have some size. Because I look at this board, most of the top they have a lot of guys they're recruiting who are six foot or taller, some six ones, a couple six twos in there. They want guys with size at that position, which I think you need to have in a changing world of college football. Clearly, and so again, what what happens in a year before impacts what happens in, in this recruiting class? So last year they got seven banks or twenty eighteen guys who are going to be freshmen next year. They got seven banks and Tyreek Johnson. The year before that they had Jeffrey Okuda, Marcus Williamson, and Sean Wade. Um, and like you said, there are no seniors. Damon Arnett and Kendall Sheffield are draft eligible, could leave. But this is, a again, a kind of deep-ish group. And I think a group that they're going to 
sort of have to wait around and see what happens and try to get a vibe maybe through the first half of the season of like how well guys like Arnett and Sheffield are playing. And if it looks like maybe they're on the track to try to leave early, then I think you might see recruiting cornerbacks uh, ramp up a little bit. But in the meantime, Tim, what are some names that people should know at cornerback? Well, as Ohio State doesn't have any commits yet. A name to look at is Eric Young from Texas. I know he's right now favored by Texas A&M by a significant margin on 247. Young. Ohio State's made Young's cut-down list. He's He fits that bold 6'1", 205, big corner. Like, you get a corner with that height and size, you can do a lot of good things with. Jeffrey Carter from Texas, another four-star, also had Ohio State in his cut-down list. Woody Washington from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, again, Tennessee. A little shorter, 5'11", 175. Uh, he does, there's really no favorites in his recruiting right now, but smaller, but he's definitely got a lot of interest. Alabama, Florida, Florida State, among among some of the schools that I've offered him. And also Jaden Davis from St. Thomas Aquinas is another name that sticks out from Florida. Only 5'9", 166. But, you know, he's got a lot of – there's a lot of schools that are after him. 43 offers for this guy. So, I think one other name, MJ Devonshire, who's from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, um, is a lower-rated guy. He's a three-star. He's the number 408 player in the country. Um I think there's interest there. I think he's a guy that maybe Ohio State would want to wait on a little bit. I don't know what his timetable is, but he showed up. He was also at the opening regional. Um, he showed up wearing Ohio State gloves, which, like, I think he can read into a little too much, obviously. It's just a kid wearing gloves, and he was in Ohio. Um, but I think I think there is certainly interest on his side, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if the interest on the other side, on Ohio State side, continues to grow, um, especially if they have to wait a little bit to see how many corners are going to end up taking. So uh, no commits. A lot of guys on the board. doesn't feel like there's a favorite that has emerged or a favorite or two that has emerged yet. Tim, how many corners do you think Ohio State will take in 2019? I think they'll take one. Yeah, I think they're going to take one, too. I don't know who it's going to be. I think Eric Young's going to be tough to pull out of Texas. Um, I think Devonshire they can probably have if they wanted to put the pressure on. It's just a matter of will they. Um I wouldn't be totally surprised if they went and tried to flip someone like Julian Barnett, who's committed to Michigan State. Um, he's out of Belleville, Michigan. He's high school teammates with Devontae Dobbs, who's one of their top offensive line targets. Um, so maybe they would go there. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's one. I think it's one, but I don't know who I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, and I'd just be guessing. So I'll 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 guess Devonshire. And, and have that be my pick, but I agree with you that it's going to be one uh, cornerback. Um, so we've gone through, we've now gone through defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, and cornerback, and total commitments from those four positions. We have one, two, three, four, f- total projected proje- commitments from those five positions, four positions. We have five total. So that's not a lot. Safety. Who do they have committed, and are they recruiting anybody else? Safety, well, they got both their guys in April. I mean, Again, if you want to look at athletes, I think Ronnie Hickman from New Jersey, even though I love the film of him as a receiver, he looks like a guy who has a great profile to slide into safety. Maybe depending on how they recruit safety, he could play corner. He seems like one of those guys that you could put him anywhere kind of in that secondary, and I think he would thrive very well. Yeah. And then come the the NFL draft, they got a surprise flip from Bryson Shaw from the Bullis School in in Potomac, Maryland. If that sounds familiar, that's where Dwayne Haskins went to high school. It is indeed. Got him as a flip from Wisconsin. He's only the number 586 player in the country, but watching his film, there is a lot to like about him. You know, he is kind of a 
your prototype ball hawk type player. He just it seems like he sees ball, gets ball, and he's got great height for safety at six two, a little undersized right now, only one hundred seventy five pounds. Obviously, like to see him get bigger, and he's a former lacrosse player. Sound familiar? Can't wait to write Bryson Shaw, Sam Hubbard stories. Uh, I think his commitment is interesting. It kind of came out of nowhere. He is, I think, very much sort of a, a guy that Alex Grinch just fell in love with, and I think it's interesting that sort of very early in Alex Grinch's tenure at Ohio State, his first spring recruiting for Ohio State, he was permitted, I think is the right way to say it, or, or got the green light, I guess, to take a commitment from a kid that maybe he was very high on, but but not a kid maybe that you would think Ohio State might take at least this early in the process. Like you said, Tim, he's the number 586 overall player in the in the class. Um, the next closest guy to him in the class is number 325. Um, Ohio State, over the last few years, we know, has done a, a really good job of locking down players, mostly ranked from 0 to 200. Um, so so he's, uh, he's interesting. And uh, I was surprised when he committed. Um, I think if you do look at his tape, you see some things that you like, but... I don't know. He maybe it's this is too far to speculate, but he strikes me as a kid that maybe perhaps won't be in Ohio State's class when it's all said and done. But Alex Grinch likes him, so maybe that's enough to, to keep him in the class. Uh, they are recruiting some other safeties a little bit, Tim. Who are those people? Well, I think of the guys they're commit they're looking at right now. The most likely to join the class out of that group would be Jordan Battle from also from St. Thomas Aquinas. I think for a while he's had Ohio State kind of established as his favorite. Uh, he already come, visited Ohio State a little bit. He's got one coming, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. All the projections for 247, unanimous in his favor. 6'1", 187, great athlete. There's a lot to like about Jordan Battle, and it seems like another one of those guys kind of like Cade Stover. It's not a question of if, it's almost when. And then safety, safety's been interesting because I, I think they've been in for a while on Nick Cross, but I think that has kind of waned a little bit. Cross has been leaning more southward. Yep. So I, I think he wants to go south, and Florida State's been a name that's popped up. Kind of the wild card in this, if you can call a five-star wild card, is Daxton Hill from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I know Ohio State made the cut down for him. They had some recent success pulling Josh Proctor out of Oklahoma. Kind of a long shot anytime you talk about a five-star from that area, from Big 12 country like that, when you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State calling. But, it's, but he's a guy that I think Ohio State would really want to go after. And if you saw what he did... At the opening of regional, he absolutely dominated on the athletic testing metrics. Unbelievable athlete, and Ohio State's still in on him. If they can pull that one out, that would be a tremendous coup. But right now, Battle seems like the most likely guy to get in this class. Yeah, I think Battle's in. And and, and we talked about corner, and we both said they could pick take one corner. Any of these defensive backs they bring in, like they, I think they – I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but it seems like very often they're bringing in guys – who are or look like they can play either safety or cornerback. Tyreek Johnson, the guy from last year, Jeffrey Okuda from two years ago. Um, I think Marcus Hooker at a point looked like that a little bit too, but I think he'll be at safety. Um, so I think Jordan Battle's in too. I'll mark him down as a safety, but um, so that gives us two committed safeties and one we're adding to the class. But keep in mind that that Jordan Battle even may be the guy who can play a corner. Okay, so that's the whole defense, mm-hmm. and we have Tim and I are projecting that they have one commit at defensive tackle. That's Tyler Davis. Two commits at defensive end, Noah Potter, who's already committed, and five-star Zach Harrison, who I don't think will end up announcing until August. He said he wants to announce on his birthday. It's August 14th. He said if he's ready, he'll announce then, and I don't think it would come before that. Um, linebacker, we say one. It's Kate Stover. He's already in the class. Cornerback, uh, we said one. We're not really quite sure who it is. I said MJ Devonshire. Tim, who did you say? 
I don't think I say anyone, but I do like the, I like the idea of Devonshire as well. I, depending on how it goes, you have a guy who already wants to be, and I feel like there will be a point where if they don't like what they see, they'll go ahead and tell Devonshire, all right, come on in. And then at safety, uh, two commits already in uh, Bryson Shaw and uh, Ronnie Hick, <clears throat> excuse me, Ronnie Hickman, and then we say Jordan Battle from St. Thomas Aquinas will be in that class as well. So total on the defense, Tim and I are projecting Ohio State to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in the 2019 class. Everybody breathe. <laughs> All right, let's talk offense. And I think we'll save quarterback for last because it's the most complicated. Yes. So let's talk running back. Two players committed. Samson James, who is a four-star prospect from Avon, Indiana. And Steel Chambers, who we talked about, who is a four-star prospect from Roswell, Georgia, who is listed as an athlete. Uh, could potentially play linebacker. I think he's coming as a running back. He said he's coming as a running back, but certainly plans can change. We'll count him as a running back. So that's two running backs committed. I don't think they're going to add anybody else as a pure running back because they're kind of loaded at the position. They just took um, Master Teague and Brian Sneed in the in this 2017 recruit or 2018 recruiting class. Jalen Gill is sort of an H back, but you can. Consider him a running back to some extent, too. J.K. Dobbins has one more year of eligibility remaining. So, Steel Chambers and Samson James are talking about one, two, three, four, five running backs on the roster for 2019. I just don't see why anyone else would want to jump on board. Like, the name at the top of the list, I think, if somebody were to jump on board, is Noah Kane, who's a four-star from IMG Academy. Uh, Kenny McIntosh is another four-star guy from Florida who, like, these are guys who have said it doesn't matter to them that Ohio State has commits at running back. I find that a little hard to believe. Um, I think Ohio State is happy with Steel Chambers and Samson James. So pure tailback, I don't think they're going to add anybody else. I think they're going to stick with the two. Uh, the one name that I would keep in mind, though, is uh, Wandell Robinson, who's a three-star all-purpose back, is what he's listed at, from Kentucky. I think Ohio State will bill him as an H-back. I think he's probably more of a slot receiver than he is a running back. Um, but and just in terms of that sort of position grouping, uh, I think he will end up being in the class. So let's just label him a running back for, for this discussion. So I think they will have Chambers and Samson James, and then they will add Wandell Robinson, giving them three running backs in the 2019 recruiting class. Tim, do you think they're going to add somebody to Chambers and James? I, I like I like Robinson. I And I mean, I look at his numbers. His numbers are absolutely absurd. Back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. Last two years, he's rushed for 61 touchdowns. I mean, I don't know what the level of competition is, but yeah. anybody who rushes for 2,000-plus yards and 25-plus touchdowns in consecutive seasons, that sh- that raises the antenna a little bit. Yeah, he's a smaller guy. I think he's five foot nine. Um, he's just he's just not big enough to be a tailback for Ohio State, at least not an every-down kind of tailback. But he is the kind of crazy, fast, athletic skill guy that Urban Meyer tends to fall in love with. And frankly, I don't know. They haven't had a guy like that. Like the smaller guy like that in a while. Like Jalen Gill, I think, is that, but Jalen Gill's not 5'9. Um, I don't even know like who's a good example. Like Eric Glover Williams might be a good example of a guy like that. And I know Eric Glover Williams' career didn't pan out here, but um, yeah, I think Wandale Robinson's going to be in the class. So we'll say three running backs. And when you mentioned Wandale Robinson's profile, and you mentioned he's short, the only guy, the guys that come to mind when I think Urban Meyer are guys like Jeff Dempsey, Chris Rainey, those mm-hmm. guys were shorter, but those guys had Olympic class speed. Yeah. 
Robinson, I don't know if he has that Olympic class speed, but when you look at shorter guys in Urban Meyer's offense, that has worked in the past. Yeah, and I think I think there's room for that. I wrote a story. God, this must have been four years ago about Ohio State's. It was about their receiver recruiting, and we'll talk about receivers in a second. And I think there was a time where Ohio State's receiver recruiting trended too much toward smaller guys, athletes, guys who weren't pure receivers, and then it flipped, and you see guys like Jalen Harris come in, and they had Trayvon Grimes come in, and Ben Victor, and Austin Mack, and I think that was a a necessary sort of change in the recruiting plan, but now maybe they're at a place where it's a little healthier, and now you can find some balance, and I think that's where a guy like Wondell Robinson fits in. So let's talk receivers. One committed so far in uh, 2019 one of the biggest recruits that Meyer, I think, has landed in his time in Columbus. Garrett Wilson, five-star receiver from Austin, Texas, stole him from the University of Texas right out of their backyard, um, I think is in the conversation for best-looking receiver prospect that Ohio State has signed um, since Evermeyer's been here and, and before Evermeyer got here. This kid's really good. He's five-star prospect, number 31 overall. Number five receiver. He doesn't have – he's not like Calvin Johnson. He doesn't look like him, at least physically. He's a shade over six foot. He's 181 pounds, but I think he is an absolute stud who is going to play immediately when he gets to Ohio State. It's just a matter of who they sort of fit in around him in this class, and there is a lot of uncertainty with the receiver position. And anyway, I want to run down before I give you who else they're recruiting. Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, Terry McLaurin, and C.J. Saunders, who's now on scholarship – are all seniors. They're all gone. That's four gone. K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Demario McCall, and Benjamin Victor are all draft eligible. They could all leave. I feel fairly comfortable saying that at least five receivers are going to leave. And it could be, I think, as many as six. Um, They recruited in 2018 Cameron Babb, Chris Olave, LaChristian Smith, and Cameron Brown, who I think might end up being a defensive back anyway. So let's say they have they brought in three receivers in 2018. They have Elijah Gardner, who's a 2017 recruit who redshirted, and Jalen Harris, who is a will be a sophomore uh, this coming season. So they need more. Um, I think they're probably going to take three. I think they'll take at least three receivers. I think they could take as many as four. So let me run down who they're recruiting. Uh, Marcus Washington, four-star receiver from St. Louis, number 58 overall. David Bell, four-star from Indiana, number 103 overall. John Dunmore, four-star from Florida, number 107 overall. Elijah Higgins, a four-star from Austin, Texas, number 142 overall. Jamison Williams, a four-star from St. Louis, number 181. And Craig Young, who's a three-star from Indiana, who is way down there, number 747. Um, I think he's also maybe a tight end and not quite quite a receiver. Um, he's a little bit bigger, beefier. Than, than some of these guys. Uh, Tim wrote a story last week about the guys in St. Louis, Marcus Washington and Jamison Williams, and Ohio State's push into that area in, in this class, and I think in the future, as long as players are there, it's an interesting area for Ohio State to, to, to delve into, and we had a question about that we can talk, to, talk about in a little bit. So I think that Gary Wilson is committed, and I think around him they will end up with Marcus Washington, Jamison Williams, and Elijah Higgins. So I'm saying they're going to have three more receivers in this class. What do you think, Tim? I'm with you on Marcus Washington, definitely. It, seem, it seems like kind of the most likely guy, I think, of this group to go in. I do also like David Bell in this class. You know, okay. 
Washington and Bell would give a little exercise to kind of compliment Garrett Wilson a little bit. And then I think Jamison Williams also. I think they're going to go two for two again in St. Louis. And I looked up William, Jamison Williams' track numbers, and they are absolutely incredible. This was at the Missouri State track meet. He ran the 400-meter dash in 48.68 seconds to win his division, and same with the 300 hurdles at 37.47. If you're a track guy, those are incredible numbers. Mm-hmm. And he was second in the state of the 100-200. This is a guy who's six foot two. He probably needs to add a little more weight, but that speed is undeniable. I think those are the three guys they'll end up with. So you think they're going to have three total or three in addition to Garrett Wilson? In addition to Wilson, so they'll so take four. four total, but we just differ. You think they're going to have Bell, and I think they're going to have Higgins. Yes. Okay. I think four is a good number, and I think you're. I think I think Bell could be a guy. I think they like Higgins a little more, maybe. Um, but he's from Austin, and it's never easy to get kids out of Texas. David Bell is from Indianapolis or Indiana, and it's much easier. Uh, tight end, another interesting position. I think it's possible they don't take any in this class. Uh, Rashad Berry is a junior. Luke Farrell and Jake Hausman have sophomore eligibility. Jeremy Rucker and Alex Williams will be freshmen in 2018. Um, they really liked Luke Deal, who ended up committing to Auburn. Um, they would have taken him, I think, if, if he wanted to commit, he did not, he committed to Auburn outside of him. I don't know who they take. I mentioned Craig Young when I was listening to receivers, I think he is a potential option to take. And, and if he doesn't look like a tight end, when he gets here, I think, I think he could turn into one, uh, by the time it's time for him to play He's six, three, 200 pounds. He's a big kid. And, and he has the frame. You can see that he can add stuff to. Um, Jaleel Billingsley is a four-star prospect from Chicago who I got to talk to a little bit at the opening in, uh, Maslin a few weeks ago. And, uh, I think he likes Ohio state. I just don't think he's going to end up coming to Ohio state. I think, uh, Florida, Florida is a crystal ball favorite. And I actually think Illinois, um, is a player for him as well. Um, and then the only other tight end I think is worth mentioning is a kid named Eric all who is from Fairfield Jackson Carmen's high school. He's a three-star prospect. He's got offers from, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, I think he's an interesting-looking player. I, I don't know how interested Ohio State is in him, but he has the profile of an in-state kid that maybe could get a late offer, um, and Ohio State could add late in the process if it starts to look like or they start to feel like they need to add a tight end. But my guess is that in the 2019 recruiting class, they will not have a tight end. Tim, what do you think? I agree with you, and I think that's where the benefit of take get, having a guy like Jeremy Ruckert in is a good thing. Um if all these guys come back, then you really don't need to bring anybody else in because then you'd be adding a fifth guy to unnecessarily clog up the tight end room where th- there really aren't that many opportunities on the passing game to begin with. We always talk about how there could be more opportunities, but I think we always kind of want to see it before we can go ahead and say, yeah, Ohio State's throwing to the tight end more. Yeah, and I think the other thing to consider with the position is that Rashad Berry uh, entered the spring, I think, as a starting tight end. He did not leave the spring as a starting tight end. Luke Farrell did. Ohio State could use some bodies at defensive end. Um, Rashad Berry can play both. I guess I wouldn't be totally surprised if they moved him back to defense. I would feel bad for him because, like, just settle on a position for the guy already. But if you're Rashad Berry, you also want to go where there's playing time. And if Luke Farrell passed him in the spring and Jeremy Ruckert is the best tight end, Urban Meyer has signed at Ohio State, um, I think maybe Rashad Berry might entertain the idea of moving back to defensive end. Um, Alex Williams is a guy who is starting his career at tight end. Uh, or no, actually he's not. I think he is starting his career at defensive end. He changed his Twitter profile to, to the R2X thing that Larry Johnson uses. So uh, let's call him a defensive end. So it's four tight ends, Barry, Farrell, Hausman, and Rucker. 
but my point was that Alex Williams can play both sides of the ball, so he's an option at either at defensive end or tight end. Um, so I think they could add one, because if you're getting into that territory, especially if Ferry moves to defensive end, and you're talking about three tight ends on the roster, I think they could add one. I'm going to say right now they won't, because um, I even think that like three scholarship tight ends is kind of enough, and if Barry sticks there, then you have four, and I think you're good, and you have four who are going to be around for at least two more years. Um, so I think I, my answer is still zero, that they don't end up adding a tight end, and you think no, too. Yeah. Okay. No tight ends. Offensive line. Weird year last year for Ohio State recruiting offensive line. Um, it looked like for a minute it was going to be not a disaster, but not great. Uh, they ended up with Matthew Jones, Max Ray, and then Nick Petit Frere, who I mentioned earlier. And Petit Frere was a late ad on the second signing day in February after Ohio State had lost uh, Jackson Carmen in December. They were sort of scrambling a little bit to, to add a tackle because they really needed a tackle. It was Petit Frere, who I think was number one all along, um, well, at least in that portion. Urban Meyer said that Petit Frere strongly hinted that Petit Frere was ranked ahead of Jackson Carmen. I don't believe that. Um, but Petit Frere, I think, was the number one tackle on the board after they had lost Jackson Carmen, meaning that they liked him a little more than they liked Rasheed Walker, who they were also recruiting, ended up going to Penn State. He's from Maryland. So they ended up with three offensive linemen in, in 2018, but that sort of set the table for what is going to be a big offensive line class in 2019. They have two commitments. Uh, Doug Nestor from West Virginia is a four-star tackle. Ryan Jacoby from Menor, Ohio is a four-star offensive tackle. I think both of those guys could end up kicking inside and playing guard um, once their time comes to play. And I think – that means the focus on the remaining spots. And I think they could end up taking, I don't know. I, I, they would take one, two. I think they would take four more to give them six. I think it's more likely they get to five. Yeah. I think it's more likely to get to five. So, and I think it's all tackle with the exception of one player. So uh, who they're recruiting still is Harry Miller who's a four-star center uh, from Georgia, has already taken his official visit. It's just, he's we're, Ohio State's just waiting on him to make a decision. I think it's I think Stanford is in play for him, but I think it's Ohio State's recruitment to lose, and I don't think they'll lose. Um, so I think Harry Miller will be in the class, and that will give you a, a no-doubt-about-it center. It's no-doubt-about-it interior lineman. Two guys in Jacoby and Nestor who are listed as tackles, but I think will end up playing guard. And then you go out and find your tackles. And I think they need two, and I think they'll get two. And the players in the running for that are Darnell Wright, five-star tackle from West Virginia, who's the number three overall player in the class. Devontae Dobbs, five-star from Michigan, who's the number 10 overall player in the class. And then Jonathan Allen, a three-star kid from Dayton, um, who has been playing football for nine months. And I wrote a story about him. He's a really interesting kid. I really enjoyed talking to him. Um, he it, he looks like a tackle. He's 6'6", 300 and... 20-ish pounds. He carries it really well. He's a basketball player who like had no interest in playing football until people finally talked him into it. Um, you can go read the story about Jonathan Allen at Cleveland.com. Um, Ohio State offered him uh, in the spring. He has taken a visit there already. He'll be back on campus uh, this weekend at, at Ohio State's camp on June 8th. And uh, I don't think – I think it's possible – he might commit when he's up here if they'll let him. I'm more inclined to believe that this whole thing has been happening very fast. 
He doesn't seem to have a total grasp on the recruiting scene. I think he wants to go see some of these schools that otherwise he wouldn't be seeing because he was was not he's a good basketball player, but he wasn't good enough to be to go to some of these schools that are recruiting him for football. Um, so I think you might see him take some summer visits and then make a decision before his senior season starts. But I'll I'll, I'll leave the door open for a. Jonathan Allen commitment perhaps this weekend. Once he gets on campus, he's camping and he's working out with Greg Stoudrawa. He wouldn't be the first kid to get kind of wrapped up in that and commit. And I think if he wanted to do that, Ohio State would take him. So I think Jonathan Allen's in the class, and then it's a matter of Darnell Wright and Devontae Dobbs. Um, I don't think they're going to get both those five-star defensive tackles. My guess would be Dobbs. He is from Michigan. He's closer. He's been to Ohio State a bunch, um, camps and, and, and otherwise unofficial visits. Um I just think at the moment the relationship is probably stronger. I think maybe Darnell Wright's a little better, but you're splitting hairs a little bit when you're talking about the number three overall player in the country and the number 10 overall player in the country. Um, So my pick is that Ohio State will add three more offensive linemen to the two they already have committed. Harry Miller at center, Jonathan Allen at tackle, and Devontae Dobbs at tackle. Tim, what do you think? I think you run my notes. because I, I did. Had, I stuck in here. I had those same five guys. I think Miller is a guy that I kind of, in my mind, after the official visit, was thinking how long was going to be before he picks Ohio State. It's going to be probably still a couple more weeks, I think, before he makes his announcement. Yeah, and, and at this point, if he doesn't pick Ohio State, like it's, that's an upset. Yeah, and I, I mean, I got a chance to read the story about Jonathan Allen. I mean, one year of playing football and he's getting all this interest. I th- that seems to fit. You know, the profile of the in-state guy that Ohio State always used to go for late in the process. Mm-hmm. But with the early signing period, I think you have to be willing to gamble a little bit on those lower-ranked guys that are in-state and take more chances on them. And I think they're willing to take their chance on Allen because, like you said, he seems like a, a, a very good kid, obviously a good athlete. And then when it comes to, you know, Wright and Dobbs, I feel like even though Michigan State's trending more to Dobbs now, I don't know if that's going to be the case come when he makes his decision. I think once Urban kind of decides who he wants to go after, I think he's going to put that full court press on him. Yeah. And if it's a recruiting battle between Michigan State and Ohio State, that's one I think that usually would favor more towards Meyer because, as we saw with Nicholas Petit-Frere, he, d- he knows how to close when it matters. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I And I don't I, – Dobbs is not a not a projection I feel super confident in, but I think they will end up getting one of those big time tackles, and I just I feel a little bit about Dobbs and I do about right. Okay, so I think five offensive linemen, you think five offensive linemen. And before we talk about the people at quarterback, we think they're gonna get one quarterback, right? Yes. So let's give our overall number on the class. Uh so that's Tim, what's five plus eight? Thirteen. All right. What's thirteen plus eight? Twenty one. So you and I have 21 uh, commits in this class, which is admittedly admittedly a little bit low. Um, we'll get to the numbers available in a second. Uh, last year they took 24, so they didn't take the 25 that you're allowed every year. Um, it's not a particularly old roster. There are 10 seniors, and, there, and there's only 10 because they gave a former walk-on in C.J. Saunders a scholarship. So uh, there are spots to open up, and we'll do that math in a minute because we got to ask a question about it. But before we do that math, uh, let's talk about quarterbacks uh, real quick because we have hit on quarterbacks the last few weeks. Um, no commit yet for Ohio State in 2019. It's late for that. In the last three recruiting classes, they've had a commitment by now, and they don't have one yet. It's a class that uh, we've said before. I've asked Ryan Day about it. I've asked Urban Meyer about it. I don't think there's anybody in the class that they're totally in love with. Um, I think the best quarterback in the country is a kid named Bo Nix, whose dad played quarterback at Auburn, and guess where Bo Nix is going? He's going to Auburn. 
So he was on Ohio State's board. They liked him. There was almost a 0% chance he was ever going to go anywhere other than Auburn. He's from Alabama. His dad played there. After that, it's kind of hard to get a grasp on who Ohio State really likes. And I don't know if they really like anybody. It was for a minute, or it looked for a minute like it was Grant Gannell, four-star pro-style quarterback from Houston, a big kid, 6'6", kind of a gunslinger. Um, had a good official visit with Ohio State in April, came out of that visit with Ohio State looking like the favorite, and now the favorite is considered to be Arizona, which is not surprising. Uh, Kevin Sumlin's at Arizona. Kevin Sumlin had a commitment from Grant Connell at Texas A&M before he got fired. We talked about that uh, last week. Um, from what I've been able to gather now, Grant Connell I don't think is coming to Ohio State. Um, I think it's a product of Grant Connell liking Kevin Sumlin, having familiarity with Kevin Sumlin. Um, I hear Arizona is a fun place to be. Uh, and also I just think like Ohio state slow played, it might be the right kind of word. I just don't, I don't think they put on the kind of full court press maybe that they needed to put on to, to get Gannell, who I think will end up announcing somewhat soon. He's officially visited Ohio state and Arizona. I'll be interested to see if he officially visits anywhere else, but I think, um, he's going to end up in Arizona. If you look at the two, four, seven crystal ball, it says that too. So that's not any kind of surprise. Um, it's just that Ohio state looked like it had its guy and now it looks like it doesn't have its guy. So now, who are they going to get? The names on the list are guys we've talked about before. Graham Mertz, who's committed to Wisconsin. Uh, Dwan Mathis, who's committed to Michigan State. Ryan Halinski, who's committed to South Carolina. Um, all these guys were at the Elite 11 this past weekend. Halinski and Mertz were among the final 11 guys who will be at the opening at the end of the month. Um, Gannell was not. Uh, Mathis was not. I didn't expect Mathis to be. I expected Gannell to be, and he was not, um, which, I, which I thought was interesting. Mathis is more of an upside guy. Um, but Gannell is, is one of the top rated passers in the country and he didn't make the elite 11. Um, so read into that what you will. Holinsky and Mertz did. Um, I don't know who they're going to end up with. I have no idea who they're going to end up with. It's really hard. Like they have Ryan Holinsky is from California and he's never been to Ohio state and Graham Mertz. They had him on campus briefly for an unofficial visit, but unless they can get an official visit from Mertz, I don't think they're going to be able to flip him from Wisconsin and they're not alone in trying to flip him. Um, I think maybe the two most likely to end up in Ohio State's class are either Dwan Mathis or Connor Bazelak from Kettering Alter, who does not have an offer yet, um, is a three-star kid who's got a couple of offers and like wants to trim his list down and, and sort of narrow his scope a little bit. Hasn't done it yet. Ohio State is like keeping a line of communication open, but said, don't wait around for me. I wrote a story about Connor. You can read it at cleveland.com. Um, but it just seems to me like Ohio State may not have any other option but sort of go in that direction with these kids who are committed, and it's been hard for them to get these guys on campus. But I'll say that Ohio State's quarterback commit in 2019 will be Dwan Mathis. Tim, what say you? I honestly I kind of agree with all of what you said, that it feels like Ohio State doesn't love anybody, and this is not – that good of a quarterback class. Nowhere near as good as the one last year when you had the top two guys. Or the one coming after it. Oh, yeah. And I, I look at the overall rankings on 247. The number one quarterback, a kid named Spencer Rattler from Phoenix, who's committed to Oklahoma, he's ranked number 42. There's no five-star quarterbacks in this class. So I think from that perspective, I can understand why Ohio State is not in love with anybody because it's almost like flavor of, like, pick your flavor at Baskin-Robbins Robin, when it comes to these quarterbacks. Yeah, I think I think they view them all kind of similarly. Um, maybe Mertz a little bit ahead of the pack, but like I said, he's going to be really hard to flip. So my guess is they end up with Mathis. 
Um, and I'll be interested to see. Like, I don't, I don't think Dwan Mathis is going to come for any of these camps that are coming up this weekend. But if he shows up the Friday Night Lights, uh, which he did last year looking for an offer, he didn't get it. The offer came uh, recently for him. Um, if he shows up for Friday Night Lights, I think it's a good sign that the things are looking good for Ohio State to get Dwan Mathis. Okay, so let's do two things. You and I both say they have 21 projected. They'll have 21 players committed or signed for 2019. Mm-hmm. They have 10 seniors. So we're talking about let's find 11 more spots for the guys that we're projecting. And it's certainly possible that they'll take more than 21 because they usually do. They took 24 last year. And we got a question from – let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Jeremy Fleming, he said, how many guys will be in the 19 class and how many juniors will turn pro? JDog736 on Twitter. So we say 21 in the class. Let's play a game called will this junior declare for the draft or not. Are you ready, Tim? Yes. Mike Weber. Yes. I say yes. KJ Hill. Yes. I say yes. Austin Mack. Yes. I say no. Uh, Damari McCall. No. Ben Victor. No. Rashad Berry. No. Brandon Bowen. No. Michael Jordan. Sure. Uh, I think no. Nick Bosa. Yes. Jonathan Cooper. No. Jay Sean Cornell. No. Davon Hamilton. No. Draymond Jones. Yes. Robert Landers. No. Malik Harrison. No. Uh, I'll say yes, and that's like my, there's always a kind of a weird guy. Uh, declaration, Justin Hilliard. No. I say no. Keandre Jones. No. I say no. Damon Arnett. No. I say no. Kendall Sheffield. Yeah. I say yes. Jordan Fuller. Yes. Okay, so you and I are in agreement on one, two, three, four, five, six juniors leaving early. Uh, you said no to Austin Mack. I said yes to Or Austin you said Mack. yes to Austin Mack. I said no. Uh, you said no to Malik Harrison. I said yes. So let's just add those two on the top of the pile, and we're still only at eight. Mm-hmm. Math doesn't add up, but the math in the end always ends up adding up. But I guess that's a point, a way of saying that it doesn't look like there's enough juniors that we could, like, with a straight face right now, tell you we're going to declare early to make, make up the number they're going to need for 2019. But they're still going to get there because they always get there. I think it's possible you see every eligible receiver go because of how, like, how close these guys are. Um that a lot of guys stuck around last year, I think, is is proof of that. Now, obviously, what the NFL thinks of you also goes into that, and I don't think Terry McLaurin or Johnny Dixon were going to get drafted, so it was more than just like they're friends with Paris Campbell. Um, but if that whole group of seniors is going to go, I think this this third-year group of Hill and Mack and Victor could all want to go together too. So I think they could all stay together. I think they could all go together, but the, the receiver group is what kind of leaves it murky, but I feel pretty confident saying six are going to go. I could stretch it to eight and feel super, still pretty confident in that beyond the eight. I don't know, but we'll say eight, eight juniors um, turn pro. Okay. Big official visit weekend coming up on June 22nd. Marcus Washington will be here. Elijah Higgins will be here. Uh, Jamison Williams will be here. Zeke Carell, who's an offensive lineman we didn't talk about from Cincinnati, will be here. Um, Zach Harrison will be here. 
and Jordan Battle will be here. So that's six guys on official visits. Garrett Wilson will also, I think, be here that weekend too. He's already committed, um, but it's nice to have a guy in the class up here when that many uh, players are visiting. What comes out of that? I'm not totally sure. Uh, I said before, like I don't think Zach Harrison is going to commit on the spot. It is his last official visit. Um, he'll be visiting Michigan before that, right? Yes. Um, I still don't think, and he's already visited Penn State, and those are the, the top three teams. Clemson's in the mix, too. Um, I just don't think he's going to commit coming off at Ohio State. He might silently commit, um, but I don't think he's going to announce until his birthday, like he said, which is not until August. Uh, Zeke Carell, I just don't think, is going to end up in Ohio State's class. I think they have room for one more interior lineman, and it's going to be Harry Miller. Um, I think Jordan Battle is on commitment watch that weekend. And I think maybe all three of those receivers, Marcus Washington, Elijah Higgins, and Jamison Williams, are on commitment watch that weekend. What do you think? Oh, I think well, – I believe if I remember right, right, Washington wants to announce in August. Like, he wants to. Apparently, he's not sure if he's going to. But yeah. I kind of agree with you on battle. I think if Garrett Wilson's there, it's interesting because this is a guy you said right after commitment. Like, he's going to be the, he's gonna be that big recruiter. I could see him having a pretty good influence on Elijah Higgins. They're both Texas guys. Yep. There could be a lot of good, good things going on there with that. Um, but I kind of agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Jordan Battle commits after the visit and you hear like a lot of good things about the St. Louis receivers, Jamison and Marcus, Jamison Williams, Marcus Washington. I don't, probably won't get an answer from Washington until August, like I said, but it wouldn't be surprising if they at least come out of there with one more commit. Yeah, I think they're, I, I would be surprised if they came out of that official visit weekend without a commitment from Jordan Battle. Um, Okay, one last housekeeping thing, and then we'll get to – not housekeeping, but it's just something you should know. And then we'll get the questions. Ohio State um, coaches, you probably have saw on social media, were on the road uh, starting on June 1st. And I believe uh, through the 7th they'll be on the road. They were uh, up in Michigan at Grand Valley State. Uh, they were going to be down in Florida. Um, where else were they? I wrote this story. Where the hell else? You said they were in St. Louis. St. Louis, right, St. Louis. Uh, Tennessee? Is that where they were? You said Michigan, right? I said Michigan. All right. Anyway, they were at places around the country uh, for camps. Camp season started on June 1st. You were allowed 10 camp days in June and July. Um, and you can go off campus for them as long as the camps are held at college facilities. So Ohio State was around the country, not surprisingly in areas of the country where uh, some of their best recruiting targets uh, happen to live. New Jersey. They were in New Jersey at a Rutgers camp. Um. But anyway, they'll be back all off the road on June 8th, and Ohio State has its three one-day position camps on June 8th, June 12th, and June 16th. That's an opportunity for some in-state guys to get on campus, work with the coaches. Um, you see like some, some interest in those kind of three-star, lower, late-developing guys kind of start at these camps. Uh, Jonathan Allen told me he'll be there on the 8th. Like I said, I, I think it's possible that he might commit that day. I'm not totally confident in it, but I think the door's open for it to happen. Um, and we'll see who shows up on the 8th, the 12th, and the 16th. Um, I don't – I'll be curious if Connor Basilak shows up maybe for, for one of them and, and throws in front of Ryan Day again. Um, but, yeah, those camps coming up the 8th, the 12th, and the 16th, uh, we will be there. We'll, we'll try to get some stories up from guys Ohio State's recruiting, interesting guys at the camps. Um, and one other thing, I will be at the opening at the end of the month in Dallas. Um, we have not covered that before. It's moved to Dallas. It's a little easier to get to, so I'll be there this year. It'll be a good opportunity to like get in person with a lot of these guys Ohio State is recruiting around the country. I think it's been a little difficult um, the last few years to, to talk to as many guys as we want to because they are kind of so far flung, but many of their top targets and, and a couple commitments will be, including Garrett Wilson and Doug Nestor, uh, will be at the opening in Dallas at the end of the month, so I'll be there, so check uh, 
Cleveland.com uh, for that. We'll preview it, and then I'll be down on the ground in Dallas talking to the guys too. Let's do questions, and look at this. No Doug, we're getting the questions before we hit the hour mark of the podcast. <laughs> no questions and no uh, anti-robot talk. But State Track, I was talking to our colleague Matt Gould. He had a kind of a fun, like a funny robot tweet. I'm like, you should have sent that to Doug. Yeah, robot. I don't know what his fascination on robots is. Okay, so let's get to some questions. I like this question from Eddie Vulich. Uh, at Zadea on Twitter, he said, who is the bigger threat to Ohio State this year, Penn State or Michigan? Uh, I think this year that question's not so cut and dry. I'm inclined to say Michigan, and that's like putting a lot of eggs in the Shea Patterson basket. Um, Man. And I just like Penn State loses a decent amount. And I do think that offense changes with no Saquon Barkley, even though uh, they have a backup who's also a five-star who I think is still going to be pretty good. Um, man. I'm assuming he's talking more, you know, bigger threat to the division rather than bigger threat to beat them this year. Because then that – I mean – Well, it's a two-part question. He says, who's a bigger threat to Ohio State this year, Penn State or Michigan? No, I think he means to beat them. And then the bigger, and then he says, "Who's the bigger threat over the next five years?" And I don't think the answer to that question is, is the same. Um, I'll say this year it's Michigan because I think like Penn State's just resetting a little bit, and I think Shea Patterson is good, and Jim Harbaugh is going to have his quarterback over the next five years. I'm going to say Penn State because James Franklin's a better recruiter than Jim Harbaugh. I think honestly, the answer to both might be Penn State. I say Penn State this year because. It's, we expect it to be a whiteout game, and as we all know, weird things happen at whiteout games. Yep. I mean, that fourth quarter meltdown in 2016, which in hindsight looks very different considering the Penn State team we saw a year later when they came to Ohio State, which required that fourth quarter comeback. I think – I know Penn State loses almost everybody. They mm-hmm. do have a couple good receivers back to help Trace McSorley. I think Jawan Johnson's back. DeAndre Tompkins is back. They have some guys – they have some younger players on defense that are intriguing – I expect Micah Parsons to play at probably linebacker, and we all know about that that situation. That'll be fun. It, it's going to be an interesting test to see, you know, how well James Franklin is recruited behind a class that, you know, he got in that first year, and he, like, before he even coached a game, he added, like, all sorts of great commitments. I think he got Trace McSorley before he coached a game, Saquon Barkley before he coached a game, Jason Cabinda before he coached a game. I believe Marcus Allen was also in that group. He got a lot of studs committed before he – Coached one game at Penn State, and he they won a Big Ten titles. So I'm curious what it's going to be like when he's had those got some younger guys that are lesser known in the system for a couple years. And as Michigan showed defensively, just because you lose a lot of great guys doesn't mean the guys behind them are bad. I mean, there yeah. there could be another couple studs in that group. Okay, next question from Eric Brownstein, who has uh, the distinction of being the first email question in the history of Buckeye Talk. Ooh. That's actually not true. Just to this particular email address. Uh, He says, say Dwayne Haskins looks average in the first two games of the season and then struggles mightily against TCU in a loss. Will the fan base begin clamoring for Tate Martell? Uh, Yeah. There's a bank robbery apparently happening outside of Tim's apartment. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I think no. Probably not. 
Um, certainly if Joe Burrow was still around or if it was Burrow struggling and Haskins was around, then, then yeah, let the clamoring begin. I think if he like threw an incomplete pass on the first drive of the game against Oregon state, that would happen. Um, I do think that there is an understanding from the fan base that Tate Martell needs to improve a little bit as a passer. Um, I think his passing struggles have been a little overstated. Um, he didn't have a great spring game. Uh, he also didn't have great protection in that game and wasn't playing with the best receivers all the time either. Um, I think he's a little better thrower than what we saw in that particular game. I think he was an okay, not uh, better than okay thrower. He was a good thrower in high school, has a strong enough arm certainly, but um, I don't, I don't think you'll. I don't know. Losing the TCU would be a lot. If they lose the TCU, yeah, they're gonna. And it's Dwayne. Like if they lose the TCU and you can point the finger at Dwayne Haskins, yes, they will be clamoring for Tate Martell. Like short of that specific scenario, I think that it'll be ride or die with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I kind of agree with. Well, what we saw at Tamar Tell throwing the football, I think a lot of people recognize maybe he's not ready to be a you know the thrower that I think Ohio State needs to have to win a national championship. But then again, you know what we see in practice and what we see in games are always two completely different things when it comes to being able to throw the football. I mean, there we all know. I think I think we all know Dwayne Haskins is a much better thrower right now than Tamar Tell. But for sure, if he struggles, I think there's always going to be. And Tamar Tell like looks flashy in whatever you know sub packages they decide to bring him in, and he even throws a touchdown or two. People are going to be like, well, "Wait, what if? Wait, why is he not starting? He's throwing touchdowns, and Dwayne Haskins is throwing picks." Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll. If that scenario that Eric pointed out happens, I mean, that's. Kind of the scenario last year with the Oklahoma loss. Um, the difference being that I don't know if there's an argument to be made just yet that the backup is better than the starter. And I think there was not evidence of that last year, but certainly a better thrower. The backups were better throwers than the starter. Um, okay. Jay Alexanders on Twitter. He says, is there any possibility that the receiver room can turn toxic with so many players feeling they have earned or deserved playing time, especially returning guys? Could become a difficult situation to manage. Do you guys think we see a committee or do a couple players emerge? Uh, toxic, no. I think these guys are really good friends, like to the point that they usually refuse to do interviews individually. When it's receiver interview day, that means you're talking to nine guys at once. Um, and it's actually kind of difficult uh, to have conversations with people. But I think it's a really close-knit group. Um, I don't think any of the incoming freshmen are so good that they would push them from behind. Maybe Cameron Babb. Um, but outside of that, I think I think the guys who are returning are mostly safe. Like Jalen Harris will will push for more playing time, and that could affect maybe a guy like Ben Victor uh, or or Terry McLaurin maybe. Um, but no, I, toxic is not the word I would use. I, th- I think it's a healthy room. I think I think they like the the thing they talked about all last year was like culture, and the Doug's thing was always well, culture can't catch, um, which is true. But uh, no, I think I think these guys like each other, so I'm not worried about any toxicity. Um, I I think it would be mostly by committee, but I I don't think like the, Ohio State is not. If some guy emerges to the point where like he has to play and has to be targeted more, I don't think Ohio State would ignore that player. Um, but I do think it will be mostly by committee in 2018. Tim, what do you think? I'm really in agreement with you. I think there, this is a boring podcast, man. Every time I say something, you say you agree. I should just intentionally disagree. I'm with just going to start throwing out hot takes. I think with the next question you ask, I'm just going to intentionally disagree with it. But I think there's definitely that camaraderie in the receiver room is going to be is interesting. Obviously, we saw that last year. I'm curious how that dynamic will change with a new quarterback. We saw JT Barrett is more like a point guard 
you know, get the ball to distribute the ball to everybody. Dwayne Haskins, I think, will try and take his shots to different guys. I, I've we've said, you know, he and Austin Mack have a tremendous connection on that mm-hmm. throw to Michigan. He's pretty much looking at Mack the whole way and threw to him. I, I, it's difficult for me to assess quarter like. And no one repeating myself to assess wide receiver chemistry when there's a different guy throwing the football because it, it can always change depending on who's the quarterback. So I'm I would say no just because I feel like there is a good enough bond there. But I'm always willing to leave the door that even though some of these guys have been there for years that an Austin Mack or even a Jalen Harris could just break out in the middle of the season. We got a lot of questions, like sort of not pertaining to recruiting, and I know we've already asked a couple of them already. I do want to try to limit it to that. So, guys who emailed questions that aren't really recruiting questions, uh, we'll come back to them uh, in the next episode. Uh, Brian Cross asks, uh, "Buffets? Here now, you're a buffet guy." Uh, he says he's all in on the breakfast buffet and the Chinese food buffet, uh, and he says uh, enjoys it when he's lucky enough to stumble onto a pizza buffet. Pizza buffets are interesting. I mean, I know like CC's is all is like the number one place I think of when I think of pizza buffets. I know Pizza Hut used to have them. There was like a Pizza Hut near my old house back in Brunswick, where, which used to have lunch buffets. And obviously, I was too young to drive and go over there and get get some lunch buffet myself. But pizza and breakfast, I think, are the two best ones because breakfast you usually expect quality food. Mm-hmm. Usually, you get like a good amount, like either like egg, like bacon, French toast, or all, they, sometimes they'll have a waffle bar. You just go up there, spray the iron, and throw, roll on some dough, uh, batter, and whatever. I think those are really the only two. I don't know if I can count on like much else because I love a good Chinese food buffet. I haven't been probably since college, but I'm in on the Chinese food buffet. Um, Pizza Hut buffet is, I don't know, one of the top ten things about America. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like I like buffet. Like I don't like uh, I don't like buffets for like a thousand people. Like I don't like um, like Golden Corral. I just don't. I don't like I don't like the traffic that goes through a Golden Corral. It makes me a little uneasy. Um, a Pizza Hut buffet is limited in time. The restaurant is smaller. People don't even go to Pizza Hut that much anymore. They usually order it in. So like I like places like like a small like Massey's has a pizza as a lunch buffet that I've been to once or twice. It's pretty good. I don't like a large scale buffet. I like the buffet as an idea. I don't like it on a large scale when a million hands run through the buffet on a given day. One thing I will say about pizza buffets, you gotta have garlic bread. Oh, for sure. That's like one yeah. of my low key favorite foods. Garlic bread? Yeah, like yeah, that's pretty good. I prefer. Do you prefer it with like melted cheese on it or without? It? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheese on it. Oh yeah, for I sure. love any like garlic where you can like. Garlic bread, we could pull a piece off and you got a little extra cheese go, like peeling off and stretching. That's always fun. Okay. Recruiting questions. Sweet Morg at Sweet underscore Morg says, will Ohio State have a top five class? Ohio State right now is ranked number 13 in uh, for the 2019 recruiting classes. I'll run you down real quick. This is a 247 uh, composite class rankings, Alabama 1, Oklahoma 2, Texas A&M 3, South Carolina 4, Clemson 5, Michigan 6, Miami 7, Florida State 8, Notre Dame 9, Georgia 10, Oregon 11, Texas 12, Ohio State 13. Um, all of those schools I listed have double-digit commits with the exception of Georgia, Texas, and Ohio State. Ohio State has 9. Uh, I do think Ohio State will end up uh, having a top five class, especially when we talk about guys like Harry Miller joining the class and like some of these high four-star receivers joining the class. Um, if 
Devontae Dobbs or Darnell Wright joins the class, and I think one of them will. That's a five-star guy you add. Zach Harrison's a five-star guy you add. So it's just happening a little slower. I think in the end, Ohio State will have a top-five class. What do you think, Tim? I think it's going to be fringe, like maybe five, maybe six, just because they're going to be limited on commits. We both projected a 21-person class, mm-hmm. and usually the higher numbers up are going to see like the 23s, the 24s, the 25s, or even 20 more than that. Um, it's all about numbers, and it's really – and when I when I look at recruiting rankings, I think the stat that's overlooked is instead of just like total points is average points. I think yeah. that that's always an important stat because you're not always going to get the 25 person class where you have like just a fleet of kids coming in. Some some years just going to have a shorter class, and that's kind of the reality. And I think yeah. quantity is taken into that for sure. Um, yeah, I think it'll be top five. I think it could be fringe. I think you're right. I would look at the average player like Ohio State in 2017. Did not have the number one number one class. Um, Alabama did, but Ohio State had the higher uh, per player average. And I don't that might have happened in twenty eighteen too. Georgia had the number one class. Ohio State was number two. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State. State's per player average was just above Georgia's. So, like in my mind, that's what the number one class means. Um, but it's like a point system on this, and like Ohio, Georgia had seven five star commits, and Ohio State had three. But Georgia had 15 four-stars and Ohio State had 20. And I'm guessing it's four-stars were ranked higher than Georgia's because Ohio State's average was higher. So I look at the average score to determine number one class. So if you go by that metric, Ohio State has been number one each of the last two years. I don't think they'll be that this year. Uh, The number one player average right now is Alabama. Alabama has 14 commits and and the highest player average. Um, Let's see. Oklahoma's is up there, 92.33. Uh, Florida State's up there, 92.27. Georgia's is number one right now. Oh, Georgia's number one, 95.79. Yeah. yeah. But Ohio State's is 92.79. It's almost a 93. So they're Ohio State's up there, too, in per player average, but they're behind Alabama or Georgia and Alabama. So, um, But I do think they're going to have a top five class. Second part of Sweetmore's question is, is it possible that Penn State passes Ohio State for number one in the Big Ten? Uh, at the moment, Penn State or Ohio State is 13th and Penn State is 17th. Ohio State has more than a full point lead in the average player rating. Uh, I don't think this is the year. I think it's going to be pretty close to even. I don't think this is the year that Penn State catches Ohio State. And I don't know if, if, if James Franklin will ever beat Ohio State. I think he'll keep it close enough that it's almost like not worth arguing. But technically beat them. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen unless Penn State starts having some sustained on-field success. And I know they split the last two years, um, and this year will be a big one. It's in late September in, in Happy Valley. If Penn State wins that game, and I don't like – in the grand scheme of things, I don't think individual game outcomes matter that much. But, again, it's about Penn State putting itself on the same level as Ohio State. Um, Penn State's got a Big Ten championship. It beat Ohio State a couple years ago. Ohio State still got the ring. Urban Meyer's got three of them. And – Ohio State's got the NFL stuff. So I I don't think Penn State's going to pass them just yet. I don't think this is the year. Um, but maybe Tim disagrees. What do you think, Tim? I'm with you. I, I, of course he is. <laughs> well, what we know about Penn State, they're always going to recruit the DMV well. They're always yep. going to recruit the Mid-Atlantic, New England well. But what you mentioned the top targets Ohio State gets. I don't know what Penn State's recruiting uh, scholarship situation is for next season. I'm not sure, like – what kind of quality other other like top five star targets they're really after? I think Ohio State's class is like Penn State's is small, but I think Ohio State's class does have a pretty high ceiling. You can get guys like Dobbs or Wright or Miller or any of those aforementioned guys we talked about. John Yablonowski. 
says, uh, with Grant Cannell being left out of the Elite 11 finals, does that affect Ohio State's pursuit of him or his commitment timetable? Um, I don't know if it affects his timetable. I would think probably not. Um, and I don't think you – know, maybe it affects it affects their perception of him. But I, I was trending away from Ohio State before Grant Cannell got to California for the Elite 11 anyway. Um, and frankly, like Ohio State is not in a position when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks to like say, well, he didn't make the Elite 11, so we can't take him. Um, just because the pool is shallow and they don't have one yet. Um, I think they – they didn't put the full court press on, like I said, like maybe they should have if they wanted to really land Grand Canal. I don't think Elite 11 showing had anything to do with that. Nikki Under said, without Doug's lovable ramblings over under on the podcast, 76 minutes. Well, what are we at right now? Oh, we're over. We're going to be over, but not by, not by like Not by much. Minutes. Let's talk really fast. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jordan Alexis, I'll give this one to you, Tim. He says, since the quarterbacks don't seem to be as highly regarded as past seasons, he means recruits. Should Ohio State take a flyer on an under-the-radar high-potential guy? I think that might be the – I don't know if they should, but I think that's the way they're going to most likely able, be able to go. And I think that's why it wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a bad idea if at some point in one of the camps if Connor Basilak is there that you go ahead and offer him just to stay in the mix. You keep an eye on, you keep an eye on birds who I don't expect they're going to be able to flip from Wisconsin – because I feel like I feel like Wisconsin is going to just put the full court press on keeping it for the next six months or whatever. Holinsky yeah. is a different story. If they can get him to visit, it could be interesting. Mathis is interesting as well. Trying to keep trying to pry him out of Michigan, but right now I think Ohio State's best bet is just to go for go for the upside of Basilak, who I'd be interested to see. We'll never know this, but what his number his ranking would be like if he were in a more pass friendly offense. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. He plays in the wishbone that like has some pa- down the field passing elements, but he is not helped by the system that he plays in for sure. Um, Doug DeLillo talking about quarterback still. What should the panic meter be for fans if Ohio State swings and misses on a high profile quarterback this year? Um, like Pat, I don't know, kind of low. I think I, I am a proponent of taking one every year. Um, just because I think it's good for the health of the quarterback room. You have Dwayne Haskins for as many as three more years. You have Tate Martell for four more years. Um, you have Matthew Baldwin for probably five more years if they can redshirt him this year. Um, so it's not like you're you're running out of bodies. Uh, 2020 class looks good, and I think that they'll have – whoever emerges from that group to be Ohio State's guy will be, I think, a top-flight quarterback. So I'm not, I'm not super panicked that they won't get a guy. I just think it's interesting. I think it, like the reason we talk about it a lot and I think we write about it a lot is it's just interesting how it's all shaken out. I don't think in the end that if they don't get any of these guys, it's a panic situation. Um, but you still want to have one. And I, like if they end up with, with Connor Basilak, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I think he's a quarterback who could who could grow into a, a good one at the the power five level. Um, so yeah, I'm not. It, part of his second part of his question says, "Is it safe to assume they missed in the last two cycles?" And then he says, "Is 2020 going to provide Ohio State with a high profile quarterback prospect?" The answer to the last question, I think, yes. I think they were going to get whoever they identify like as their guy in 2020. I think they're going to get him. Um, at the moment, I think it's Jack Miller. I think that could change, but I think it's Jack Miller, and I think they would get him. Um, safe to assume they missed in the last two cycles. Yeah, I think like certainly on paper, like they had Emory Jones, who's a, at one time a five-star prospect and, and a high four-star prospect when he signed. Um, 
And they didn't get him, and they ended up with Matthew Baldwin, who is like ranked in a 300 somewhere. Now, Ryan Day really likes Matthew Baldwin, and Ryan Day was not the one who went out and identified Emory Jones. And frankly, like Emory Jones is not the kind of quarterback that Ryan Day wants. I think that's clear by now. Um, and Matthew Baldwin is more of the 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 mold that Ryan Day wants, a, a bigger kind of thrower with some good mobility, but certainly not a guy who's going to run a lot. Now, Emory Jones is a good arm. I don't think he's the most accurate guy in the world, but he's got a very strong arm. Um, so... I don't know. I think Emory Jones is going to be good in college. I think Matthew Baldwin, if given the chance, will be good in college. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're better off getting Matthew Baldwin than they would have been getting Emory Jones. First of all, it's impossible to say. And second of all, I'd sound like a crazy person to say that, given where each player is ranked. Um, So if you would have called a miss in the last two cycles, uh, I think it's fair to label 2018 a miss. Um, Remains to be seen in 2019 who they end up with. Certainly if they get Graham Mertz or Ryan Holinsky, it's not a miss in, in this class. Um, even if they get Dwan Mathis, I don't think I'd label that a miss. And I like Basilak to the point where I wouldn't call him a miss either. I just think it's not a great class. So, uh, I'll say you want to call 18 a miss. Sure. I'm not ready to call 2019 a miss yet, Tim. What do you think? I think with 2019, I don't know if there's, you can really call anything a miss because they've never really had a number one guy since Ryan Day came in and they went away from Grant Tisdale when they realized that's not the quarterback they want. Yeah. So they, based on the recruiting, it's kind of, We've kind of theorized and said that they just don't have a they don't have a number one guy. They don't have a guy that they need to have in the class. So I think from that regard, you can't really say it's a miss. Well, like, whoa, they didn't even have a they didn't even have a target. They're just gonna they have a group of guys, and if they get one, they're gonna be happy with it. And I think going back to the first question about the panic meter, I think you would want to tip the panic meter more towards twenty twenty. Like if you don't get Jack Miller or Harrison Bailey, who's Jake Ray's teammate at Marietta in Georgia. If you don't get either of those guys, I think the panic meter goes up because I think that's where they would want to look for their next, like, top-flight quarterback. And the Miller-Ohio State connections have been there for a while. Yep. Uh, quickly, another question from DeLillo. If you had to re- he says, if you had to recruit me to one Columbus food joint, which would it be? Ooh. Uh, my answer, because I, I had it like a week ago, and it was really good. Hot chicken takeover. No, I can't pick that one. No, because you agree with me too much. I will actually. I am going to disagree just for the sake of the podcast, and I will say pies and pints. Pies and pints. Uh, Columbus has trash pizza, but pies and pints is pretty good. Yeah, the only downside to pies and pints is it's a little expensive. I think I got one the other day. It was like thirteen bucks just for a one person pizza, but I think it's quality. It's like the closest thing I think you're going to get in Columbus to like New York size style pizza. All sorts of toppings. They yeah, got, it's funky toppings. They got some good appetizers, though, and the beer selection is phenomenal. They, they even have, like, if you go in the restaurant, they have, like, a giant couple televisions on there that kind of tell you how much of so-and-so is left and what kegs are about to tap next. Yeah. Cynical Negro, our guy, he says, with Texas and Georgia being a lot harder to recruit, thanks to competent coaches, <laughs> uh, where does Ohio State try and really focus on that on really focus on oh areas out of state, I think is what he's trying to say. So I wrote a story last year about Tennessee and how they went in there and got Master Teague and they got Max Ray. There are some guys in 2019 who I think they recruited and liked and maybe like a little less now than they did then. But Tennessee is one of those places uh, until that program gets its head out of its own butt and, and starts turning things around. I think Tennessee will remain a place where Ohio State is active. Um, I'll be very curious to see if they ever – like. Throw some uh, throw some bait out in LSU, or not LSU in Louisiana, 
um, which always produces a lot of kids, and those kids almost always go to LSU. But if if Coach O doesn't have it going again this year and, and they make another coaching change, I think maybe you could, you could try to take advantage of, of Louisiana at least for one recruiting cycle. But, Tim, I wanted to direct this to you because you wrote the story um, about Ohio State and St. Louis. So why don't you tell people a little bit about that, those numbers, and uh, what Ohio State's doing there? Well, I wrote this on, I believe it was Friday morning for Cleveland.com. I spoke to two coaches from the St. Louis area, Terrence Curry, who coaches at Trinity Catholic, and uh, Brandon Gregory, who coaches at Cardinal Ritter. Both of them have some of the top prospects in the, in the, city, of, in the city of St. Louis. I almost said a city in Missouri. Obviously, that's wrong. but there is, Isn't there a Missouri City, Texas? Uh, yes, there is. I think there's there's other like there's like state name cities all over the place if you look at it. But St. Louis seems like it's the new hotbed, or at least it's the new in thing. We we cracked down the numbers when you St. Look, Louis. It's what all the cool kids are doing. Exactly, and we we did a lot of number crunching in addition to talking to these coaches. In the last two years, they have twelve prospects in the city of St. Louis alone, not just the state of Missouri, not the state of Missouri, just the St. Louis area that are four stars or better. And from 2012 to 2017, that number was just nine. And Combined, that in- yeah. And that includes Ezekiel Elliott. So I wanted to get kind of to the bottom of it. And what they, were, they, they talk about how it seems like the athletes down there are tremendous. I mentioned the athleticism of guys like Marcus Washington and Jamison Williams. They talk about how that's now, you know, they're starting to make that more of a full-time emphasis. I even asked about, you know, the impact Ezekiel Elliott has, and this is what Terrence Curry had to say about it. He's the Trinity Catholic coach. He's Marcus Washington's coach. He said, quote, that always helped the situation. Again, it just exposes that we have the talent here in St. Louis. It just needs to be exposed. So what Ezekiel does, some people know Ezekiel personally, and that motivates them as coaches and players that are like, hey, we can play on that top tier and go to the NFL. And Curry is a guy who he played in the same time, in the same area as Reggie Germany, who we remember signed with Ohio State in the 90s. Here's I, a fun little quote he is, like, back in 99, if you got Iowa coming to visit, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, that was a good quote. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a fun little thing, and he played a little college football in Missouri, I believe. But to give you an idea of how much St. Louis has been pressured, the top three players on his team, Isaiah Williams, who is committed to Illinois right now, Marcus Washington, and a, and a four-star linebacker, Shabon Cooper. Those are three of the top five players in the state of Missouri. They're all on Trinity Catholic. They've combined for 113 scholarship offers. Hmm. That alone tells you a lot about, um, you know, just the state of St. Louis football. Is it cyclical or is it a trend? We need to see. But I said I wrote this exact line. If you're Ohio State, you've got to go where the talent is. Yeah, and I think to the question uh, – I certainly think it's going to be hard. It is harder to recruit in Georgia. That's a fact with what Georgia did in the last class. Um, you'll never see Ohio State go away from those areas. I think I think they'll be more targeted, um, fewer offers, and, and more emphasis on specific guys maybe in those in those states than than have been instead of like casting a wide net in those states. Um, but as long as you're pulling Garrett Wilson and like they're in a good place with Elijah Higgins, and I think at a time they could have had Grant Canella to Texas, Ohio State's not going to leave Texas. They're not going to leave Georgia. Um, but they are going to look for these places like St. Louis that doesn't have a, an in-state power that has talent. Um, Tennessee, as long as, like I said, the, the volunteers aren't, aren't what they should be. Um, they'll always be in Florida. Uh, you know, the States in the Midwest, like there, there isn't really anywhere they can go that they haven't already gone with the exception of Louisiana. Um, so I don't think you're going to see their plan change all that dramatically. 
Um, I just think you'll see more sort of localized efforts in Texas and Georgia rather than sort of spreading the net the way they have in the past because it's a little harder. And frankly, with some kids, you'll be wasting your time, and, and they're not in the business of wasting their time. <clears throat> Alan Kitchen asked this question twice, so I think it means he really wanted to answer. <laughs> he says, since you're doing a recruiting podcast, can you talk a bit about people who cover recruiting, who push recruits towards the schools they cover quote, root for them and to end up there, if you will, seems hugely unprofessional. Um, I'll say that, like, I am not a full-time recruiting writer. Um, I've certainly spent a lot of time in interview sessions, or enough time, I think, in interview sessions with recruiting writers to say that I don't and have not encountered that really at all. Um, maybe I get where the sentiment comes from, and I'm all, like, I don't, I'm not in the room when people are on the phone with kids, and I've, I've heard this complaint as well, um, but I've never seen anything that suggests to me that that's something that's wide, widespread. Um, so sorry, that's a disappointing answer. I don't know, Tim, if you've ever, if, if you've ever encountered that talking to recruits or recruiting events, but I really have not. I haven't either. I think the thing I'll say about it is like, it seems like if you're a recruiting writer, once they sign with the school, you never write about them again. You just focus on the next year. So you really never get to even have a chance to like talk to the guys that you've been talking to for a year after they get on campus. Yeah. I don't like, I think it's a different job, um, and I don't mean to be insulting when I when I say that. I, I think I think when you're a recruiting writer, you don't have to be as um, what's the word I'm looking for objective to like the program necessarily because you're not really covering the program. You're kind of covering the kid. Um, so certainly there are recruiting writers who who root for the team. They they quote unquote cover, and I don't really have a problem with that because I don't really view it as the same job. As as some as like what we do at Cleveland.com, um, so I, I don't think there's anything totally wrong with that. Um, obviously, there are ways you can cross the line, but but if a recruiting writer's on the phone with someone and says, "Hey, man, you should go to LSU," like I don't think that actually matters in the kid's recruitment. At least I would hope it wouldn't. And if that is happening, I don't see a problem with it. And I don't know if I consider it a professional because I think it's sort of a different job from from what we do. Um, Chase Richardson says the Ohio State National Championship had a huge impact on the recruiting on recruiting that culminated with the 2017 class. Now that all the kids who witnessed it in high school are starting to graduate and be done with high school, do you think its impact on recruiting will fall significantly in the next few years? Uh yeah, I think I think it has a shelf life. I remember asking Irvin Meyer about uh I think the headline of the story was something like recruiting with the ring and I asked him this in probably February after they won the national championship in January. That, that, that was kind of a whirlwind that year, but I think that's when I asked it. And he said, so that would have been the 20, the 2015 recruiting class was signing that day. And I said, I asked like, when does this start to matter? And he, and he kind of hinted that it didn't really start to matter until almost 2017. Like Chase said, I think it mattered in 2017. I think it mattered in 2018. The playoffs only four years old. Um, I think the Ohio state national championship is still pretty fresh in, in the minds of the kids they're recruiting. Um, I think it helps that like there's been four college football playoffs and three champions, right? Alabama's won twice, Clemson won and Ohio State won. Yes. I think it helps to some extent that it has been like Ohio State one year and Alabama the other three years. Um so Ohio State is is still kind of on the level with Alabama and Clemson in terms of national relevance, um or, or at least winning championships. But it does like you can't you can't recruit a kid in 2021 and say like, Hey, I remember we won that championship in 2014 when you were eight years old. Um, so it does have a shelf life. I don't, I don't think it's, it's run out just yet. Um, and like, they're not going to remove the national championship trophy from, from the lobby in the Woody. 
Um, that will always be there. And Urban's always going to have his rings out. He's got his Florida rings out in his office. So, like it's not, it's, you never stop using that to recruit. Um, but I also think the thing that impacts Ohio State's recruiting, and I've said this before, more than the national championship in 2014 is what they're doing with the NFL right now. Um, and I even think that maybe the real life Wednesday stuff might, might hold more sway now than the national championship does. So, um, Yes, its impact will continue to fall as we get farther removed from it and if Ohio doesn't win another one, but I don't think that's a huge issue, Tim. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's much of an issue either. As long as you're competing for national championships, you're in that tier, you'll be fine. I I think the fact that Ohio State got into a New Year's Six, they won the Big Ten, they'll keep them relevant. You always, like, as long as you win, you'll stay relevant. It's when they don't start to win that problems are going to happen. It's if, if they start losing to Penn State and Michigan on an annual basis. And if they they aren't playing for the Big Ten title every year, if they're not in the playoff at least every other year, yeah, that that's where you're gonna have the issue. Winning is, I, I think, winning is the number one tool for recruiting. If you win, you're gonna have kids interested in you because they want to win. I think at the next level. Last question, uh, we'll get out on this one. Wild Bear Buckeye, he asks. Ohio State appears poised to bring in multiple top fifty offensive linemen and wide receivers but is seemingly not even contending for any top cornerbacks or running backs except for Noah Kane. Why the disparity is the depth at cornerback and running back making top recruits look elsewhere. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you kind of answered your own question. Um, linemen and receiver are probably the biggest areas of need in this recruiting class. So Ohio State is recruiting more players there. You recruit more players at the positions by nature because you usually take multiple guys at receiver and, and line. Offensive line each year, but yeah, I think it's a pro- it's a byproduct of what Ohio State needs. Um, I remain surprised that they took Samson James and Steel Chambers when it looked like maybe they could have had Noah Kane or Devin Ford. Um, I guess it's still possible they get Noah Kane, but I don't think they're taking another running back. Uh, I think Ohio State is is is. I don't know. I think it's really easy to overthink this stuff, but it does seem like that Ohio State is doing, I don't know, if more diligence is the right due diligence is the right word, like really identifying guys sort of almost ignoring what their recruiting rankings are and just like, you know what, we like this guy and we're going to take him and it doesn't matter if he's a three-star or a five-star. Um which is interesting. It's and I don't think that's how top flight programs always operate. But it'll be something to monitor as as you're right, they don't they're not really zeroed in on five star cornerbacks and five star running backs. Um they are on offensive line and receiver, but it is an interesting disparity this disparity. Um I think the depth on the roster matters. I think that a cornerback recruit would look at Ohio State's roster and, and see a lot there and see how maybe it wouldn't be so easy to get on the field early. Um, where on the flip side of that, a receiver can look at Ohio State's roster and see that they might lose like six guys at the position and can get on the field early. So that always matters. Um, but I, I think it's just more of Ohio State. Um, I'm trying to find the right word. Like being more detailed in, in who they in who they get um, and not just sort of taking the five-star guy because they can take the five-star guy. And I don't think that's right or wrong. I don't really have an opinion on that yet because I just I want to wait to see what this class looks like. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why they don't have 
obvious guys ranked in the top hundred even overall at, at some of these positions, uh, like like was said. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on that, Tim. Well, I mean, obviously running back, they got two guys. It seems like outside of Noah Kane, if they really want to get him, it seems like they're done at running back. Yeah. Corner is interesting. You brought up Cam, Cameron Brown. Who, if he moves to corner, that takes away another spot. And that adds more depth and really drops the priority level of corner, which I, I already said was kind of, if I had to pick a position on defense, it was the lowest priority. Cornerback would kind of be in that discussion. As far as, you know, receiver goes, uh, there's no secret. It's a, it's a massive need. I think, and Gary Wilson coming in is is big for that. He says he wants to enroll early. And if he does, then that's going to be an even bigger boost for Ohio State. Especially because behind those guys that we've talked about, the juniors and seniors on this team, there's really nothing proven behind those guys. Yeah. And so I think that plays into it, too. I mean, you see top-flight guys at a program, but if you see them all leaving – and then there's a void of, you know, there's room to compete for a job immediately if you're good enough. Guys like Gary Wilson and Marcus Washington probably think, man, if I go there, I might have a shot to get on the field pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, okay, so we'll wrap it up there. Uh, shorter podcast. Like, it was only 90 minutes long. Um, some people who did email in, uh, I just want to, like, Bill Feeman, Kev, Kevin Carver, uh, Jason Adams, Kelly Jones, like, we got your emails. Um, we just kind of wanted to keep this to recruiting as much as possible. So, um, we'll get to, uh, your questions. I promise we'll, we'll get to them next week. Um, again, if you have them, you can tweet them at us, um, at Buckeye talk pod on Twitter and Buckeye talk pod at gmail.com are the best ways to get the questions in. Um, Doug, we'll be back next week. You'll be around next week, right? Yes. I'll be around next week. You know what I'm excited for? And Doug, I think did this the last time. I think Ari and I did a podcast and Doug wasn't here and then Doug listened to it and then like made notes of all the things he disagreed with and then, <laughs> and then brought them back to us when he was back from vacation. So we're going to do is have a separate podcast of just all his disagreements. Yeah. So tune in next week when Doug uh, comes back to yell at both of us for our terrible recruiting takes. Um, I hope that was good. Like I know we were just kind of like listing things, but I, I, I thought it was important to sort of do a reset on the recruiting class because we haven't talked about it all that much. And there's going to be some official official visits coming up, some camps coming up, and I think you know in a, in a month, Ohio State's recruiting class is going to look a little different than it looks right now. So we wanted to kind of lay everything out for you and, and let you know where Ohio State stands. So I hope that was interesting. Um, send your complaints to at Tim Bielek on Twitter. <laughs> um, send in five star reviews. Counteract uh, my man's one star review uh, off one star off one listen. Get out of here with that. Yeah, you got to at least make it two or three. You got to you got to sample the field right here. You can't yeah. just take like one sip and be like, "Oh, this is terrible." I'm not. There's, a, there's a lot of crap in that podcast feed. I'm not going to lie about that. We know what we do, but there's some good in there too. He should have went and found the good before he gave us the one star review. But we'll survive. We'll still composite five stars. All right, we'll be back next week with uh, Buckeye Talk on Wednesday. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but Doug will be back and he'll yell at us. Uh, we'll get to more of your questions. Uh, thanks for listening to this one. Hope you learned a little bit more about Ohio State recruiting. Uh, For Tim Bielek, I'm Bill Landis.